This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yeah, Carlson, yes! Welcome everybody to a midweek episode of the Keeping Carlson Fancy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on air, Carlson and their keeper pools. I know that normally during the summer, we go once every two weeks, and then instead we've just done one a week ago with Dmitry Filipovich, then we released an emergency episode about the trades this past weekend, and now, once again, we gotta come back at you because we've got a real gem. By the way, I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. Brian isn't here, but instead of Brian, we've got you guys all know this guy, the managing editor at Dauber Prospects, the associate editor at Dauber Hockey, the host of the Prospects Central podcast on Sportsnet. He's a contributor to Next Gen Hockey. He's an overall great guy and friend of the podcast. Welcome, Cam Robinson. Oh, thanks a lot for having me on again. It's always fun, Elon. Yeah, this is like, to me, one of the most anticipated shows of the year where you went to the draft and now you're going to tell us all about that and all about these players. And anyone who's in a keeper league really wants to hear about this and wants to hear your thoughts on like some rando from the second round. Like, what do you think about Hunter Jones who went to the Minnesota Wild? But then even people who don't play in keeper leagues and just are looking at next year, we also want to get your opinions on, you know, the players that got drafted that might make an impact in the near future, maybe also some other prospects. So we'll try to squeeze as much value as we can out of you before you have to go to your staff party. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about my staff party. Uh, <laughs> I got to wheel out from there and then I got to go record one right after it anyway. So it'll be pretty tame for me. Wow. Busy guy. Okay. So this is the staff party. Like Dauber will be there. Peter Halling, Harling, like all your Dauber staff. No, no, no. This is teacher life. Yeah, I'm going to go have some some pops with uh, some of my crew here at the school. That's sweet. Look at this guy doing all this stuff. It's not even your main job. It's your second job. Unbelievable. Okay, so in that case, let's get right into it. Cam, I'd love to hear about what it was like at the NHL entry draft. Did you have any fun gossip stories that you want to share? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun it was a fun time for sure. It was nice for me. Um, I took a little prop plane over to Vancouver, which was nice. I just bombed right over there. It took me, you know, half an hour. It was a, a pretty bumpy ride uh, coming over. It was pretty windy. And so I hopped off this little, you know, eight seater plane and and got downtown and half fell asleep on the way over and woke up feeling a little green. And so I, uh, I went straight to uh, Dmitry Filipovich's place to record a PDO cast. And I came in there and half asleep and they were pouring me beers and we got right into it. And that was a good way to start the trip. Kind of shook things up. And oh, wow. I should have yeah, so it was uh, it was busy. It was cool um, doing some doing some radio stuff at the the hotel where all the the media and all the GMs and all the players. And I got to interview you know Elaine Vigneault, which was a longtime Canucks coach, and now the Flyers coach. That was pretty cool. It was the first time I met him. 
Uh, we had Craig Berube on of fresh off the cup win, um, you know, head, head uh, coach to the Utica Comets. So there it was a lot of cool interviews. And then obviously uh, off air, just chatting with people. That's, that's kind of what I do there. I didn't have a seat in the media risers this year as I didn't expect one. Uh, Vancouver was a hot ticket. Almost didn't get my media creds actually. But yeah, uh, I heard about that on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Dobber had to call in a favor. Yeah, he pulled it in. So we, we gave Mark Spector some love there because he uh, he was the one, uh, the man behind the curtain that, that pushed that through. Um, I'm expecting wow. maybe maybe some pushback next year in Montreal too. But uh, but no, it was good. So I just hung around on the floor and I was schmoozing, hanging out with Steve Coolius and, and you know, trying to trying to get all the deets and figure out who's going to get picked 10 seconds before they actually announced it and just running around having a good time. Nice. Did you get any uh, scoops before it was announced to the general public? Yeah, I might I might have nailed a couple. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, let's go through it. I think like the main thing I want to do with you is just kind of walk through the early part of the draft. Maybe we could go over like the top 15 picks and we could get your takes on all of these picks. And then after that, we could jump around to some other players. We also have some questions from the patrons of Keeping Carlson. But I'd love to just get right into it, if that's okay with you. I recall listening and following your rankings. For a while, you had Capo Caco as your number one, but you switched it to Jack Hughes just in time. Is that because someone told you on the floor that Hughes was going to get picked first and you wanted to get it right? No way. No, my, my rankings aren't made for, uh, for picking who's going to go where it, it always feels good. If you have, you know, if one day I nail all 31 in the first round or something like that, but, uh, no, I, I ended up flipping back to Hughes there just on, on my own volition. It's just something that weighed on me heavily for many nights leading up to the draft. And at the end of the day, I just feel that, uh, he has the higher pure upside is that Hughes is, he's an elite skater and he has elite mind for the game. And I think Capo Caco is just amazing at everything and maybe not supreme at one or two individual things. And, and so for that, you know, I, I think that Caco is going to be a guy that you're going to love to have on your team. The Rangers are going to love him. He's going to be a playoff performer. He'll impact the game in all situations, but you know, Hughes is just that if everything breaks right, I think he has that rare triple digit upside. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Like we've been talking about lose for Hughes forever. We just started talking about Waco for Kako, like, you know, a couple months ago. So it makes sense that Jack Hughes ended up going first. And as far as the fantasy impact, I guess my main question to you about Jack Hughes is what do you think happens as early as next year, but also in the future? Because Nico Heischer was a first overall pick just a couple years ago. Now Hughes comes in. Is this like bad for Nico Heischer's fantasy value? Because you'd imagine the one playing with Taylor Hall, assuming Taylor Hall, by the way, resigns. And then you were also there, by the way, for the PK Subban trade. Oh my God, so much going on in New Jersey and your experiences. But yeah, what do you think is the future for the New Jersey Devils? Let's say assuming Taylor Hall resigns because he's so happy with everything that they've been doing who's the one that's going to be playing with him for the foreseeable future uh if i had to guess long term i think it'll be hughes and hall um i think this does impact nico hisher negatively at five on five obviously adding jack hughes and pk suban to the power play unit and, and hisher will remain on that top unit will be will be great for him so so look for a spike in, in power play points next season and then obviously moving forward several seasons down the road but Hisher's a an underrated two-way player and so i you know, this kid's got like silky caliber. He flashes that kind of level of play already as a whatever he is, 20 years old, 21. Um, so I think that he'll he'll be leaned on to take all the heavy minutes for the Devils moving forward. And, and you know, I think starting next season, Jack Hughes will be the first ever player to step straight out of the, the under 18 program uh, and into the NHL. And with that's going to come some hiccups. And I think that, you know, physically with his maturity, that he's going to get banged around. He's going to lose some board battles. I think he's probably going to be better suited to start his NHL career on the wing. Now, that's not to say he won't start in the middle of the ice. I just think that that would likely be a better spot for him. Um, you know, I thought the same thing about Elias Pettersson last year, too, and he stepped right in and played the middle of the ice, and obviously we know what happened there. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I do think that it, it hurts Heischer long-term uh, for his pure uh, point upside, and, and I think that Hall and, and Hughes will kind of be that dynamic duo at the top. 
Interesting. I made the analogy a couple weeks ago when I assumed, obviously, that Hughes was going to go to New Jersey. Could Heacher end up being like the Ryan Nugent Hopkins over on the Oilers, like a really great player, but just doesn't get to play with the Connor McDavid or the Dreisaitl just because they need him on another line? Uh, but I obviously will have to see what happens in Edmonton. But in New Jersey, like I think it's very interesting. And Jack Hughes playing with Taylor Hall, maybe in Paul Mary on the other side. Like, what, what do you think for his rookie season? You say coming out of this program, the first player to come right out of that program and into the NHL. I think on the Peter Harling Dabber Prospects podcast, I heard you say around 60 points. Is that your pick for Jack Hughes' first season projection? Sure. Yeah, I haven't really sat down and, and looked at the projections. I won't do that until the end of the summer. But, you know, I just think that he's so talented. We look at, you know, Patrick Kane did the same thing. He was an older player for his draft class. Uh, Kane was and, and, you know, he put up, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but about 60, 60 something points in his rookie year. And I expect that that Hughes will be able to do the same sort of things. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see where he slides into the lineup because, you know, you know, you put him over to the right side and, and maybe he plays and maybe it goes Hall, Hisher, Hughes on the top line. Uh, that doesn't leave them much down the middle after that. So, you know, you got Travis Zajac and Pavel Zaka. Um, you know, you're missing your second line center. So maybe they do. Maybe they do put him as the second line center right off the hop. And then he's playing with, you know, a guy like Palmieri or, or Coleman or something like that, which isn't ideal at even strength. And so where he gets deployed is obviously going to play a, a large role in the points that he puts up. I do expect him to be on the top power play unit, though. Yeah, that's it's very exciting. The whole situation in New Jersey is great. Obviously, the goaltending is still a question mark. Maybe Mackenzie Blackwood is someone, but we got to move on, I guess, because I want to get your takes on so many players. And let's obviously go to the second pick. Capo Caco goes to the New York Rangers. At this point, I've heard a lot of people, I think, including you, say that they think as far as fantasy for next season, you like Caco for the higher upside. And I've also heard that, was it David Quinn or someone in the Rangers management said they could see Caco playing on the top line with Mika Zibanejad, like right off the bat. So sky's got to be the limit for Caco next year obviously in the future mm-hmm. yeah for sure I, I heard Quinn say that too is that you know he's already kind of penciled him in as that top right wing on on, <laughs> on the Rangers and so that's going to be an awesome spot so we'll see that they might do a little maneuvering here in the offseason yet to, to kind of sort out their cap and maybe dump a, a bunch of money in front of Artemi Panarin uh, I, I think he's probably going to Florida but they're going to take their swing and so if uh, if Chris Kreider's still there, you know, having a top line of Kreider's, Abinajet, and Kako, and then your second line, you're you're looking at you know Philip Heedle, and he's probably going to be playing with some combination of. Uh, you got to think that they're going to put um, crabs off up there with them too. And, and, you know, you'll have Brent Howden and there'll be Leas Anderson and there'll be Brennan Lemieux. It, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of kind of moving parts after that top line, I think. Um, but for, for Kako alone, that that's, that's kind of a, a premier spot to step into playing with a couple of guys that are capable of putting up, you know, 60 plus points and he's going to be doing his thing as well. Yeah. So you said that you liked Hughes as the first overall pick for the NHL. What about for fantasy? Let's say you're drafting a brand new dynasty league right now. Who would you take between the two of them? Yeah, if it's points only, I'm still going Hughes. Um, I, I think if you're doing a one-year league, I'm, I'm probably going to take the 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 Kako kid first, uh, just because his he's physically more mature. He's going to step into a spot where he, you know, it's kind of a ready-made spot for him already. Uh, you know, long term though, in a, in a points only league, I, I'm still going to go Hughes. But you're saying points only, meaning you think Kako has more multi-category potential? I do. Yep. Yep. For sure. So he's going to impact the game. He he'll shoot the puck more. He'll probably hit more, uh, you know, pims or whatever, but you know, he might get a few more of those. I, I think Hughes is going to be more of a straight up points player that he'll dominate at that, uh, in that league setting. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And I guess since we're on the Rangers, you mentioned all of these young players. You're saying, so Kravtsov, we're expecting that he's going to start at the NHL next year. Do you also have high hopes for him next season? Uh, no, not as high. Not, not, I do believe that he'll play in the NHL next season and he's a very good player, but I think his adjustment's going to take a little bit more time. So he's one of these kids that, you know, maybe he puts up 
40 points next year. And I would consider that a, a really nice rookie season for him coming over from Russia. But yeah, the expectations are going to be much lower than they are for Kako or Hughes. It'll be fun. The Rangers are going to have a whole new team that we're going to have to learn a whole bunch of new players for. Well, not you. You'll obviously know, you've known the players probably since they were 13 years old. What about, <laughs> what about in Nets? Like, just Jorkin, is he coming in next year? Or do you expect it to still be a little while for him? Uh, I mean, I've heard that he's, he's, he's fine to go. Um, play for the Wolves in the AHL but uh, yeah I, it's hard to know I think there'll be a battle for that backup job with him and, and Georgiev um, you know Georgiev has the experience a little bit over here in North America and so you never know but just York and he's he's definitely the goaltender of the future and so Lundqvist only has a couple more seasons left I, I like that they're gearing up to give him one maybe two more runs at it uh, and then it'll, it'll be Shesty's job yeah, that would be really nice for Lungvist, obviously, to get a shot at at least the playoffs and maybe even a cup run. But I don't know if maybe he's not up to it. You know, he's been struggling lately. So I could see maybe a Philly situation where a young guy, a la the Carter Hart, you know, comes in and does something. And I don't, I don't mean to throw any shade at, at uh, Henry Lungvist, of course, but I know he struggled also in another tournament. But OK, let's go to the third overall pick now. And I guess it was a bit of a surprise. Kirby Doc, uh, Doc or Doc? Yeah, Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we actually had a post on our Facebook group from Derek. He said, can anyone explain the third pick to me? I still can't wrap my head around going after a lanky center in Doc when you have a fantastic D-man in Byram sitting just ripe to be picked. He, he was not upset. He was not happy about this as a Blackhawks fan. What do you think about this pick and Kirby Doc? It was one of the ones I called actually too. I, I'd been hearing for a couple of weeks that Chicago really liked Kirby Doc. So I, I said that on the PDO cast. I said it on a few different things on the radio and in in a couple of the the pieces I, I dropped. And you know, I didn't say a hundred percent, but I, I really had heard some whispers and I knew that Chicago it, it fit what they were doing. So Bo and Byram obviously would have been a good pick there too. They had selected I, I think four or five defensemen their last first first round picks. The last five first round picks or something like that were all defensemen in Chicago. And so you know they. They needed some someone to slide in uh, behind Jonathan Taves, hopefully in the next two years, to be a real solid top six center. And so, you know, if you're going to swing on upside, you know, Kirby Dak has a lot of it too. So he's, a, he's, like you said, a big, lanky center. He protects the puck well. He has great vision. He has soft hands. He has some warts to his game. So, you know, he can keep his head down a little bit or, or watch the puck after he gets released and can get blown up. Happened to him a couple of times in the WHL, but you know when he was on his game, when he was healthy this year, he was dominant as as a, you know a seventeen year old playing in the dub, and and so his upside is very very big. I think that there's probably a little more work to be done for him. So he's he's maybe like I, I fully expect he'll be in Saskatoon next year, and then we'll see because he, he won't be ready for the AHL yet for the NHL CHL agreement. So we'll see if he can push up for for twenty 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 one or not. But uh, yeah, you know it's it's not who I would have chosen, but I understand why they went that way. Right. And I guess, you know, on one hand, they do have Taves and now Dylan Strom as their top two centers, but Taves isn't getting any younger. And obviously, I guess the main fantasy upside for Kirby Doc is if he could end up playing on a, on a line with Debrinkit, that would be huge. Unless you see any other great players coming up in Chicago. I'm sure you do. Like, what, what do you think is the general fantasy upside for Doc? Say he's not going to play next season, but let's say two, three years down the road. Yeah, I mean, like the his, his ceiling is big. Like he, he could be a legitimate like number one center, Ryan Getzlaff style, maybe not as nasty. Uh, he plays the game that way, where he slows things down, similar to Getzlaff and how Thornton has done it for twenty years um, with his with his vision, with his you know he, his pace of play isn't rocket speed, but he kind of dictates that pace of play a little bit by slowing things down and using that space and time to to create openings and seams. And so you know his upside is very very high. You know he could be a point per game player if everything went together. Wow. Okay. So definitely someone for people to keep in mind in Dynasty Leagues. Maybe at the end of this, we could like go do a quick ranking of these guys for you in a Dynasty League. But uh, let's go to Colorado now. They pick Bowen Byram, the guy who Derek thought that Chicago should have taken. And this is 
after they just got Cal McCarr, I guess that was last year, two years ago. And this is obviously the pick that also that Colorado got from Ottawa. I'm giving people the, the background. Not everyone is a prospect expert. So I'm, obviously I know this stuff. I'm not just, I actually memorized all the picks. I, I just have the website up just for, just for you. But okay. Uh, Byram, 71 points last year as a defenseman, 26 goals. You don't see defensemen score 20 plus goals too often. And I also heard a stat that he was like the first play, defenseman to lead the WHL playoffs in scoring last year. So clearly a huge offensive pedigree going to Colorado where they already have Cal McCarr. Got to imagine that Tyson Barry is not going to be signing there long-term. That's the first thought that came to my head is clearly they've got replacements ready for that spot. No, they do for sure. And, and what Byram did this year was it was tremendous. He, you know, he scored six overtime winners in the regular season too, another uh, WHL record. And he did it as a defenseman uh, as a 17 year old, the entire season. And so, you know, he started out well and he only got better as the season went on. he, He's basically like the perfect defenseman for today's NHL. He's so mobile. He he loves to create offense. He jumps into the play. He's got great vision. He's got a big, big shot. He can use it in different ways. So the wrister he gets through, he's got a cannon with the clapper. So he's he's a very impressive player. And him and Makar are going to be just insane. And so, you know, right after that pick where, you know, we're all on the draft floor and everyone's just talking about, you know, they're going to put those two as a top pairing in Colorado and just uh, teams are not going to know what to do with it. And, you know, I think that's a viable option for sure, but it'd be pretty tempting to split them up as well so that, you know, for basically the entire game, you're going to have one of those two guys on the ice, just driving play for you. So it'd be interesting to see what Colorado does. I, uh, again, I expect Byram to be back in the WHL next season. I think there are some things that he could clean up defensively. He is talented enough and his skating is good enough and physically he's he's strong enough too that he could he could break camp with the team and stick around uh, because Colorado is realistically they're challenging for a cup already I feel is that it, that'll be a more difficult spot for him to break into but uh, you never know he, he's one of these kids that I fully expect that if you are waiting it's it's a single year for him interesting okay and then long term who would you rather have in a dynasty league between Makar and Bowen Byram if you could only have one yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Kel McCarr. He's he's just got a little more offensive upside. I think that they're both going to put up some big point totals, but but McCarr is he the way he can skate is is pretty pretty spectacular. Interesting, and there's also Sam Girard in the picture. So yeah, I guess it's a pretty nice defense core for Colorado, even if they lose Tyson Berry. Yeah, Girard his value is probably going to take a dip because of this that he, he'll he'll slide down the pecking order he's now number three. Well, he, he'll be four, but as soon as Barry leaves, he'll be kind of the third power play option on that team which which is going to limit him that makes sense yeah i okay so i guess not everyone could win yeah i guess you could only have too many high scoring defensemen on a team i was wondering like cal mccarr since you're saying you really like him i remember when we talked about him when he got drafted uh, a lot of the commentary i'm not sure if it was from you was saying how he played really well in his minor league teams but like they weren't like high competitive leagues like they weren't the same leagues as some of these other players people were concerned about how he would do against good competition has that been quelled like is, is nobody really concerned anymore about cal mccarr not having proven to be really good against strong competition no because he went out and he did he, he you're right like he was playing in the ajhl which is tier two junior a hockey in alberta which historically is not a feeder league to the nhl by any means and so he was one of these kids that was you know he was i don't want to say he was a, a a late bloomer but you know he played in the ajhl and he put up a point per game in his draft minus one season. And then he went back and he put up, you know, tons of points, 75 points in 50 games or something like this. And he was by far, by far the best player in that league. He was basically a Rover. He did whatever he wanted. He was in the corner all the time. And so the main questions that people had was, you know, how is his game going to translate when there's an actual system that needs to be played when you need to play proper defense and you can't just be up in, in the offensive zone in the corner doing whatever you want the whole time. And so 
I didn't have too many concerns about it. So for me, I think that if you are intelligent and you work hard, and if you can skate the way he does, you're going to be able to play defense. Um, and he has all those boxes checked. And so, you know, he went to the, the to UMass last season, a program that's historically not been a very strong program either. And he was terrific. Uh, you know, he, he went out there and he put, put up some points. He was great for the Canadians at the world juniors. Um, and then this year, you know, he went back to Amherst and, and, and was again, put up nearly 50 points, I think in 40 games and was just a, just a high end player. I think he won the Hobie, um, which is the top uh, college level. Yeah. He won the Hobie Baker this year. And so, you know, he did everything you could at the NCAA level uh, f- with, not an amazing cast around him because he was just that good. And so, you know, we saw what he did stepping into the playoffs too, right into the NHL, feet to the fire, and, and he was out there doing his thing, playing his game. And and that's the type of game he plays. It's fast. It's creative. He loves to jump in. It's offensive. He's he's another guy that was ranked very, very highly for fantasy uh, lists on my board. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting because also it makes me feel like Philip Grubauer is going to be a great goalie to draft in fantasy next year with Farlamov out of the picture. Like, I really like Colorado for next year. Yeah, they're kind of like a one-line team for, as far as the forwards go. And now they just traded Soderberg, but they also have a ton of money in cap space available. So I wonder if they're going to make a splash on someone in free agency. They're a team I'm definitely watching. Uh, let's I, go to Alex Turcott. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I fully expect that they're going to go out and, and pay for a second-line center. I think Joe Pavelski is a guy that they're, they're going to throw a bunch of money at. I think he'd be a perfect fit on a short-term deal for them. Yeah, I was thinking for a second that maybe Matt Duchesne would be a nicer, but then I just remembered that Matt Duchesne uh, requested a trade from that team. So I have a feeling he's not going back there. Remember that picture of him when he didn't want to be at camp and he was just mean mugging the camera? Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Great. okay. So not, not Duchesne, but uh, Pavelski's not too bad. Uh, okay, uh, Alex Turcott. He's a guy who I've heard people projecting that maybe he would go number three or the next forward instead of Kirby Doc. So do you think that Alex Turcott, who goes to the LA Kings now, as far as a center in fantasy that's not named Jack Hughes that was drafted this year, who do you like better between Doc and Turcotte? And like, tell us a little bit about Alex Turcotte because I heard a lot of great things about him before he got drafted. Yeah, I love Alex Turcotte. For me, he was he was the top top skater at three there with a bullet. Um, he was number three on my board for months and months leading up to it. He's he's a proficient two way player that <clears throat> excuse me has great speed, great hands, has a nice release. He literally he does everything well. He's similar to Capocacco in their guard, only he plays in the middle of the ice. Um, maybe not quite as dynamic in a couple of the areas, but he, he's, uh, you know, I've said it a few times, he plays a game like Jonathan Taves or Patrice Bergeron. So, you know, the point totals might be slightly limited just because he's going to be taking heavy minutes and playing a heavy game and being responsible. Um, I think that there was a several spots that would have been better for him. I would have liked him better in Chicago. I would have liked him better in Colorado. There isn't a ton coming up on the wings in LA. Now they, they did grab a player later in the draft that we'll talk about that, uh, you know, could be interesting with him long-term, but this is a kid that I fully expect him to go to Wisconsin next season because American kids go to school. That's what they do. But uh, you know, I think he's, he's of all these guys outside of the top two, the most NHL ready. And so if he does go to Wisconsin, it'll be a one and done season and he'll step in and, and, you know, arguably challenge for that second line center job right off the hop. He, he's that good. Yeah, it makes sense. It's almost like on one hand, it's not great that LA doesn't have great players for him to play with. On the other hand, you do see that he should be able to get into the top six pretty quickly because Jeff Carter isn't getting any younger. And I don't see anyone else like Adrian Kempe maybe as another center that could compete with him. But yeah, it could be a decent situation, but it would be nice for LA to give him someone. Like they signed Ilya Kovalchuk. I don't know if uh, that's someone that Alex Turcotte is too excited to be playing with at this point. Maybe just because he maybe was a fan growing up. But yeah. <laughs> LA just has all these like old players at this point. Dustin Brown, like Jeff Carter, Andre Kovalchuk. Yeah, it's, it's a lesson on how not to rebuild. 
Yeah. But now they got Andrew Turcott. Sounds like you're really excited about him, but you're saying not in the NHL next season, probably then the year after that. Uh, then the next pick was a surprise to a lot of people. Moritz Sider, uh, defenseman, uh, is picked by the Detroit Red Wings. Wasn't he ranked? Like, where did you have him in your rankings? Like a lot, of, I, I, but on one hand, but you called him, right? Getting picked. Like, I, I think everyone else said that they were surprised, but I think you were saying you actually like this pick. Now that I, recall. I do like this pick. I do. Um, I, I didn't call him to Detroit. I did hear that, uh, that Detroit was very, very interested in him leading up to the draft. And then on Friday before, you know, a few hours before the draft, we had heard that they were, you know, actively trying to slide back a few spots uh, to get some value on it because they knew taking him at six wasn't, you know, maybe the most they, they could have got him later in the draft. And so if you can if you can pull out some value by trading back a few spots and grab a second round pick or something like that, then you try to do that. And I think that Vancouver was probably had a deal in place because they really wanted to move up to get Alex Turcotte. And so, you know, I, I sent a message to a couple of the guys who just said, you know, when, when Turcotte slipped past Colorado at four, I just said, you know, watch out if, if he gets by LA at five, I think, I think you'll see some fireworks and Vancouver would make that swap. And then, you know, the Red Wings would have probably grabbed cider at 10. It didn't happen. Turcotte went five Red Wings didn't have a deal in place. There's only a couple teams they could work with to slide back and reasonably get cider. And so they took their man. And so I, I like it because this kid's got a big upside. You know, he was the second defenseman on my board. Um, I had him outside of the top 10 though, but that that's okay. I think that he's a big right shot kid that skates really well. He has some offensive pop to his game and, and it's the developmental arc is just racing upwards. So, you know, starting in the early last season, I was going to check in on him and he was getting healthy scratch. He was playing three or four minutes in the DEL. And then by the end of the season, you know, he was playing consistent second pairing minutes and being an impactful player as a 17 year old in a top men's league. And then he went to the world championships and he was playing really, really well there. And so I think that this is a really interesting player. Detroit's knows how to develop to their player development model is, has, you know, years of success. And we've seen that and Stevie Wise back and he's a he's a patient fella but on the right side it's that you know they went out and they signed Oliver Koski uh the top uh right shot offensive defenseman in the league last year that just bombs away they've got uh Philip Fronick on the on the right side as well and then I think Mo Sider is going to be the best of the bunch when he steps in so the the really interesting thing about him is that he can play literally anywhere next season except for the NCAA so he could come over in the in the CHL import draft and, and play in the OHL he could stay in the DEL in Germany there he could go to the SHL or to the Finnish Liga. He could go to the AHL. He could make the NHL. So it's really the the world is kind of his oyster. What I I have I have no insight into this whatsoever, but what I kind of expect him to do is to move to a more traditional European market a la probably the SHL. Um, that's what we've normally seen from these kind of secondary Euro kids that they, they move out of Germany or Denmark or something like that and they go into the SHL or, or the Liga. And so I expect him to do that and, and you know, play a season over there and then cross over and kind of try his hand at the American League. So another player that, you know, he he could arguably, you know, surprise and break with the, the Red Wings next season because his physical tools are there and he's smart enough. But I think patience is kind of their the name of the game with Detroit. And so we're probably looking at two year wait before he's really pushing for an NHL job. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, I guess on one hand, Detroit does, definitely has room for him with guys like Mike Green and Nicholas Cronwell, obviously going to get injured for a lot of the season. But at the same time, yeah, what, what's the rush? They're not planning to contend next year, I think. Uh, so I really liked what I saw from Philip Hironik at the end of last season. I know he wasn't just drafted, but do you think he is, well, you're saying that Cider eventually takes over, but like for the next couple of years, like what do you think about Philip Hironik? Is he someone that people should be looking at as like a top power play defenseman? He's going to take over from Mike Green and get like a ton of points or is he someone that's not really on your radar? 
No, he's on my radar for sure. I, I think Jeff Blashill is probably going to give the ghost of Mike Green the top power play in, until he gets injured, which we know is inevitable. Um, and then and then it's going to be Hironix. And and I think that, you know, he's proven he's put up points in the AHL. He put up, I think, a half point a game in the NHL and, you know, 40-odd games last year. That's impressive for a young defenseman who didn't get prime ice all season. So, uh, no, I think given if given the right deployment, he's a kid that could put up 45 points next season. Yeah, I could say, I mean, that's the pace. I think he's been putting up a better pace at the end of the season when he took over on the top power play. Of course, Mantha and Larkin, these guys are playing out of their minds. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see what happens next year. But yeah, I have a question for you. I've always wondered this, and I guess you'd be probably the best person to ask. So you're saying that Detroit really wanted to get Cider, and if they didn't pick him, Cider might have fallen to like 10th overall or something. You know, Vancouver had 10th overall, for example. Why does you never see a player drafted and then traded like right after getting drafted? You, you only hear about these trades happening before the player gets drafted. You know, you trade up to get a pick, but couldn't Detroit have like picked someone like I don't know, uh, Dylan Cousins or Trevor Zegras or someone and then wait for whoever takes Cider and then be like, okay, I'll trade you the guy who I picked that you want more for Cider plus throwing a pick or something like that? That never happens. Has it ever been discussed or is that just not a thing? Like, you I, once you draft a guy, like you're not trading him for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it happens in the NBA. We see that happen in the NBA sometimes. Um, but you're right, it doesn't happen in the NHL. I think that teams are, once they kind of get their mitts on a player, that they want to see what they have. And, and once he becomes property, it, you just kind of want to see you fall in love with the ideal of what this player could be. And so, but I, I think that that would be a, a, a definitely a reasonable thing to do. But in this yeah. day and age, it's like you just take your guy, you know, if, if you're in your spot and this is the guy that you like best and he's the top on your board, regardless of where you think he might be able to to slide if you if you move back, is that you, you'd obviously be taking a risk not to get him and then you're, mm-hmm. you're sliding down your list. So you just you just take your guy. I respect that, too, that, you know, if, if he's the one, then plant your flag and, and move along. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of like, I think in terms of, fa- I, it makes sense, obviously, and I understand why teams do it. Also, just the optics of, you know, you, you call him up, he wears the jersey, you're trying to get the fans excited. Uh, I just feel like if I was playing in fantasy, let's say like I had this idea in my head and I'm convinced that Alex Dabrinkit, who I mentioned, is going to get more points than Tyler Sagan. And, you know, it's my pick. It's like 12th overall. Clearly, like Sagan is the guy to pick here. I'm not going to like take Dabrinkit. I'll still take Sagan and then maybe offer Sagan for Dabrinkit and and another piece to the person who ends up taking Dabrinkit. Like, I don't, I don't know. But uh, I guess uh, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it than just that strategy but i was just wondering if you'd heard anything about that uh okay so next dylan cousins goes to the buffalo sabers so another center i uh, like would love to hear what you think about his upside is and is this bad news for our friend casey middlestat who we were so excited about going to last year when i say we i mean i guess myself you could say if you were but like he obviously had a huge disappointing season is this like an indictment on him that buffalo took a center or is that just like they just took the best player available and it's still very likely that casey middlestat could end up staying a top six center yeah, he for sure could stay a top six center. I, I think that people are probably going to write Middlestat off a little too early after the after the struggles. That this is a kid that you know a couple two years ago he was playing high school hockey and, and then he went to the NCAA for a season and then he's in the NHL and so those are some pretty pretty significant transitions, some pretty big leaps up. Um, so <clears throat> excuse me, I still like his upside. Um, it's maybe not as high end as some people pegged on him. So I never really saw a 90 point player there. Um, obviously playing behind Jack Eichel, Eichel's going to pull all the cream, right? He's going to get all the juicy wingers and and the rest that, that's left there will kind of go to middle stat. And so the thing with Dylan Cousins is many people see him as like a prototypical top six winger. He's big, he's fast, he has a nice shot. Uh, he can do everything well. He plays, you know, respectively de- defensively. I kind of see him as in a situation like this, if Middlestat really solidifies himself as kind of a playmaking second line center, is that Cousins could be that like powerful sh- shot first right winger. And so internationally, he was 
consistently moved over to the right wing for um, Kirby Doc or for Peyton Krebs. Krebs usually moved him over to the wing. And, uh, and he, and he looked good as a winger usually too. He didn't have that defensive responsibility. So he could fly the zone a little bit with that great North South speed. Um, so he's a kid to watch, especially in Buffalo, you know, they don't have a ton on the right wing. Um, so, you know, they got Sam Reinhardt and, and Kyle Ocpo. So you're, you're probably waiting a year or two on cousins anyways. I just think that there's opportunities for him that won't necessarily mean bumping middle stat out. And so you never know, maybe middle sets, the guy that moves over and Dylan cousins becomes kind of that take on all the heavy minutes. And we let middle set play a little more freewheeling on the wing. So there's, there's going to be opportunities for both those players. I expect that they'll all be in the top six together with Skinner and Eichel and, and Ryan Hart long-term though. And like, as far as cousins goes, you don't see him in the NHL next year, right? Uh, he's one of the guys that, you know, could surprise and make it because again, he's big, he's fast, he's physically mature, he, he's he's smart. So he's one of these guys that could slide in as a fourth line right winger or, you know, maybe their fourth line center or something like that if they wanted to give him opportunity. I, I mean, sending him back to Red Deer would, is the smart and safe move. Let him go play for Canada, the World Juniors and, and do all that fun stuff as, a, as an 18 year old. And then, you know, he can really push for a spot the next year. Okay, cool. And uh, okay, let's go to the Oilers. They always interest me. They seem to always uh, whiff on draft picks or, or either they whiff on the draft picks or it turns out that the player uh, wasn't as good as everyone thought they would be. We actually had a talk just recently on on an episode where we were trying to figure out who's like the fourth best Oilers forward to own at the moment. Like is Puliarvi still a thing? Are we still excited about Yamamoto? So maybe actually before we get into uh, Philip Broberg, do you mind just like giving your take there on are you still into guys like Puliarvi or Yamamoto or any other Oilers forwards for fantasy value at this point? Mm, I mean, I'm not in Pugliarvi because he's not going to play for the Oilers, so so we can scratch him. He's definitely out. He'll either go sign in Europe or get dealt here in the next few weeks. Um, Yamamoto, I think, is a kid that, you know, Edmonton is just terrible at developing players. Like, let's be honest here. They are terrible at it. They they bump them up and down between the AHL and the NHL. They give them, you know, 10 minutes a night on the fourth line when they're in the show and then keep them there and don't give them any power play time or they're down in the American League for, you know, two weeks and then they bring them back up. Like, just just leave them somewhere and let them work. And so for Yamamoto, my, my hope for them is that they just put him in the American League in a top six role, surround him with some good players. You know, Tyler Benson's down there. They got some, they have some decent young players playing in the minors. Is that just leave them and let them try to put up 50, 60 points in the American league. And then we can kind of have some expectations moving up for him. But right now, you know, I, I don't see him cracking the NHL next season. I mean, if, if they do, that'd be great. And they put him in a top six role, but unless they're, unless they're going to do that, I hope they leave him in the American league. And then, so yeah, you're, you're looking at the, the three centermen. And then, I mean, I guess maybe Evan Bouchard, like he's an interesting kid on the back end that should probably be in the NHL next year. Yeah. Well, the question was actually even harder because I was saying, who's the fourth best forward you would uh, want on the Oilers. Yeah. Sam Gagne, like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Whoever gets to play on the right wing next to McDavid. How about that? Yeah. Okay. So then we're talking about the Tyratty of next year. Who was it at the end of the year? Again, it was like a, a bruising guy. I got some time. Oh, Cassian, Zach Cassian. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, one that you want. yeah right. Okay, but let's talk about D. At least that's something we should be excited about, right? Because like last year they drafted Evan Bouchard in the first round. Now they've got Philip Broberg. So are these guys that we should be excited about? Like is Edmonton, they have Darnell Nurse. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be good. Like Clefbaum's still around. Like are we looking at a team that might have a good defense core at some point? Or are you not too excited about these guys? And I guess specifically yeah. Broberg since he's the one that just got drafted. Yeah, I'm fairly lukewarm on the whole situation over there. I, I, I think that this was like, 
just primo Edmonton drafting, you know, reaching on a D man because they need a D man right now. So this is a kid who played a limited role in the second tier in Sweden, um, who dominated his age group. So whenever he played at under 18 tournaments, he dominated because he's an amazing skater and he has physical tools. But as soon as you elevate him up to the U20 level or to the professional ranks, he just, you know, his, his brain was not up to snuff. And, and that was always been my major concern with him. And so, you know, rumors had it that, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Vancouver were all interested in them at 8, 9, 10. And uh, as you know, covering the Canucks, uh, I was just praying that one of the two teams in front there pulled the, pulled the trigger because it, to me, it's it's one of these guys that has all the tools, but he just doesn't have the toolbox to carry him around. And so he makes the same mistakes over and over and over again. And he, and he definitely can skate the puck out and he can make things happen with his feet and he'll get tons of opportunities because he can skate that well. But with an offensive mind, I don't think I see it there. So I, I, I definitely see him as more of a secondary piece. I think they swung on a player that they think that, hey, maybe if everything goes right, that he'll turn out to be a top pairing impact defenseman, kind of a la John Carlson. Um, I've never seen a player improve their hockey IQ and their processing speed at you know, 18, 19 years old. I, I honestly can't think of one example of a player that, you know, is makes the same mistakes over and over and doesn't learn from it to ever learn from it. Um, so my, my expectation for him is he's going to be more of like a four or five guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I never want to put a glass ceiling fully on a guy. So there is a chance for him, but yeah, on that blue line, it's Evan Bouchard for me. He doesn't skate all that well, but he has a huge shot. He thinks the game well, he's, he's smart with his offense. So everywhere he goes, he puts up the points and he gets the deployment because of it. And so I, I think the skating will be a bit of a hiccup for him, but you know, on the power play, he's going to bombs away from that top right point. And, uh, and I think he'll do well. He's the guy that I want uh, in fantasy. Okay. So forget about Broberg for fantasy for now. And you're in on Evan Bouchard. Are we expecting Bouchard to be on the team next year? Yeah, I do. I, I, I expect he'll, he'll probably push for, you know, a bottom pair and get some power play opportunities. Yeah, and they hate Clefbaum, so obviously they'll figure out some reason to bump Clefbaum from the top power play, and then he'll just compete with Nurse, I guess. I mean, uh, he then- has a point, so stupid Clefbaum. <laughs> okay, so uh, Anaheim, speaking of teams that were kind of a disaster last year, uh, they get Trevor Zegras, which is a name I heard a lot, which means I think that he went, did he fall like farther than people were expecting? Yeah, I had him number five. Um, he's he's a really, really high-end player. So probably the most creative player in the entire class. He has great hands. He's got good speed. He plays, you know, not at such a breakneck pace as Hughes. But when you're watching the when you're watching the U18s, like oftentimes you'd be like, oh, there's Hughes. Oh, wait, no, that's Egress because they play a similar style and the way he holds onto the puck. And so he's at, he's at his best with the puck on a stick. And the thing with him, I think, you know, one of the only knocks is that he can get a little too cute sometimes is that, you know, he, he loves the, to have a little flair with his, his playmaking. And, um, and so that won't work as well as he transitions up to the NHL, but you know, he's got a little Clayton Keller in him. He, he's got a little Patrick Kane with the quick hands. He's a really, really interesting player. That's going to, I think he's going to play the left wing. I don't think he's going to be a natural center, but just, he's a little slight and just the way, but uh, he plays, but I, I think that he'll be one of those rare wingers that the play runs through him, despite being on the left side is that he'll be the guy kind of holding onto the puck and making things happen. Um, he, he's, he's a good pick for Anaheim. This is an organization that needs some high end skill injected into their lineup and, and he'll be coming in a couple of years. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I guess my main concern would just be who he's going to play with in Anaheim. If he's not going to be a center, Ryan Getzlaff's not going to be around forever. Who's this team's like top line center moving forward? Like it's not Adam Henrique, right? Like, uh, no, and it'll be Sam Steele is kind of the best that they have right now, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not ideal. So maybe, maybe Zegers gets to play the middle of the ice just because of the situation. Um, because you know, after, 
I, I see Steele as more of a, a second line guy. You know, Isaac Lundestrom is more of kind of a middle six guy. You know, B.O. Gruel, another kid that I, they have a lot of like kind of medium centers. Antoine Morand uh, that I see just kind of secondary pieces. Uh, their wing is not bad. You know, they got they got Troy Terry. They got Maxime Comtois. Uh, they have a couple of pieces there. And I think Zegris just steps in as, as kind of the, the most highly talented of that mix and the one with the most the most upside in fantasy. That's cool. Yeah, like I mean, I I really like Ricard Raquel still, and like Andre Kasha should be really good when he comes back from injury. It's down the down the center where I'm a little concerned, but maybe Ryan Getzlaff could even still be a sleepy pick late in drafts this year. Like people maybe have completely given up on him, but he you know struggled with injuries. But yeah, Zgras is definitely someone to watch, and yeah, Anaheim might be better than people think in the next couple of years. I feel like it might not take that long because you mentioned a lot of good young players that they have coming up. Uh, so now we get to your hometown, Vancouver Canucks, Vasily Podkoslin. Uh, coming from, or he's like still signed with the KHL, right? So it's going to be a couple of years before he comes to the NHL. Yeah. So Vasily Podkolzin, he has two years left on a deal with Ska, which is a, a top team in the KHL. So they have a lot of money. They usually uh, surround their players with some high-end former NHL talent and, and stuff like this. And so, you know, he'll be playing with them full-time next season. And, you know, kind of the, kind of the scuttlebutt around this kid was that People have the Russian fear that you know he's gonna they're gonna give him a bunch of a uh, bunch of time and a bunch of playing time and he's gonna get good money and then when it comes time for him to cross over to the NHL that they'll just be like hey instead of going over to Vancouver and maybe fighting for a roster spot and getting paid eight hundred fifty grand in the NHL or like a hundred grand in the AHL we'll give you like three million bucks to sign another two year deal with us and so you know you got to take him at his word is that. He is a really fiery kid. He he has the passion. He he plays over the line at times, but he takes things personally too. But he he wants to win. He wants to succeed. And to do that, you got to play in the best league in the world. And I I think he recognizes that. And from all reports, from interviews, and and from you know in, in the combine and things like that, is that he's going to fulfill his obligation to Scott for two seasons. Then he'll come over and he'll step right into the NHL. And you know with Vancouver, there's a, a decent chance that he'll step right into a top six spot. And so this is a player with a massive upside. So I. I I really like this pick for Vancouver. It's it's a home run pick on a kid that if he breaks right, he's a unique player because he's he's really strong two-way, but he also has the good speed and then the high-end offensive skills. So he's got great hands. He's got a great release. Um, he has good vision, but he's just a worker out there. He infuriates the opposition. He bangs in the corners. He, you know, Every puck battle is, is basically like a personal vendetta to get it back. Um, He's got a lot of spunk. And so, you know, to have a player like that who can play, you know, maybe on your top line in the playoffs that can really agitate while putting up the, all the points too is is that's going to be impressive. But, you know, if the offense doesn't come, I still think you have yourself a, a really quality energy line player that can impact the game on special teams too. So I think that there's a nice floor with him, but also a very, very high ceiling. Okay. And I apologize for saying Pod Colson. What a noob I am. Vasily Pod Colson, of course. And hopefully that'll be a name that we'll be hearing back in the NHL in a couple of years. Like you say, do you think he's going to be coming into a Canucks team that's going to be like a cup contender? Like they've been rebuilding and rebuilding. And now is next year the year when they finally go for a playoff spot? Like, what do you think about this JT Miller acquisition? Uh, they have Quinn Hughes, who I think will be a full timer in the NHL now, maybe even Thatcher Demko finally starts getting a decent number of NHL stars. Like, how are you feeling about your Canucks at this point? Mm, yeah, they're um, they're betting on themselves for sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Jim Benning's a, kind of a lame duck GM. He's going into the final year of his contract. Uh, he only had a couple of opportunities left to really improve the club and earn that next deal. And so, you know, he went out and he made the JT Miller trade. And I love, I love the addition of JT Miller into that top six. And so if you want to put him with Bo Horvat, I think that those two would be a really nice combo on the second line. If you want to put him up with Pedersen and Besser. So Miller's a playmaking winger, the big body who drives play at five on five. 
great shot assist player. So he or sets up for shots. Um, good zone entries. He's he's a really interesting player that if you're setting up Pedersen and Besser, uh, you, you can imagine you're going to get a few assists. Uh, so I really like the injection of that player. I don't love giving up a first round pick, even though it's it's protected. So. I think that if you're going to do it, if you're going to give up a first round pick, they did it the right way is that if they miss the playoffs next season, which is the more likely season that they do miss, uh, it gets deferred to 2021. And then you got to you got to hope at some point this team's got to take a step forward to make the playoffs. And so if they make it in 2021 and you're giving up, you know, 19th overall or 21st overall, yeah, I, I'm, I got no problem with giving up a, a, a later first and a third in a couple of years for for an impact, you know, arguably 50, 60 point player right now. So I'm, I'm cool with what they did. I think that they're going to go out and hopefully they don't do anything silly on July 1st. We've heard that they're very interesting. Tyler Myers, maybe Luongo retiring and the cap recapture penalties that they're going to get hit with will uh, will kind of slow their roll a little bit. And that'll be Luongo's kind of last gift to Vancouver, maybe saving them from themselves. Yeah, I saw a funny tweet about Tyler Myers. If he signs for like the eight million a year or whatever, people are projecting that he might sign for. He'll be like one of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL, which is kind of crazy because we're talking about Tyler Myers compared to all these awesome defensemen. But I guess people really want them and they like tall players. They just saw Zdeno Chara in the playoffs. Almost the helps team win a cup. Being being a UFA in your in your late twenties and a right shot guy and being six eight's not hurting him either. But you know, for me, he's a he's a number five defenseman and, and should be paid as such. So let someone else make you know, make that blunder. Uh, well, okay. How would you who would you rather have between Tyler Myers and Victor Soderstrom? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I had to transition somehow. So we go to Arizona. They got the pick from Philly. Uh, I'm looking at this guy's stats and I'm not seeing like any offensive numbers that are impressive at all in the SHL. So I'm assuming this is more of a defensive player that's going to help Arizona on the back end, but uh, not be especially fantasy relevant. Yeah, we'll see. He's he actually does have some upside offensively. So he played the entire season in the SHL as a 17 year old. So that alone is a feather in his cap and right. and really increases the likelihood of him being an NHL player. John Chaika went ahead and traded up from 14 to 11 and gave up the 45th overall pick to do so just to make sure he got Soderstrom. Another thing that we heard on the draft floor was that Vancouver wanted to move up to six. Um, they also had a deal in place and I believe it was with Arizona to slide back to 14 if they didn't have their guy sitting there and pod Colson, uh, Jim Benning said was kind of the last player in that tier that they really wanted. So if pod Colson was gone, that they would have slid back to 14 and made that trade too, uh, because Arizona really wanted Soderstrom. So John Chica went out and said that they had Soderstrom third on their board behind Hughes and Kako, which is <laughs> wow. interesting none, to say the least. Um, I like him. I think he's a very safe pick. I think he's going to be, you know, uh, easily project as, as an NHL defenseman kind of that medium range upside would put him as a number four, number five, and then kind of your top end, you're looking at a number three guy that can play in all situations. I don't, I don't envision big offensive point totals though. So I think he maybe, maybe tops out as like a 40 point guy. Oh, okay. Well, that even still wouldn't be so bad. But yeah, Arizona looks like pretty decent on defense. Obviously, we saw last year they were able to keep pucks out of the net very, very well. But yeah, they've got Ekman Larson, of course, and then Chikrin and Osterley and Hjalmarsson, like, uh, I don't know, Ilya Libushkin, and now they get uh, Soderstrom. So I, I, yeah, it seems like that's uh, the way they want to build their team. And also, it's interesting how you say that they were willing to reach to get Soderstrom, because I just rec- I recall last year how everyone thought they kind of reached to get Barrett Hayton. Uh, how did Hayton's season go? Like, are people still thinking that Arizona 
Arizona maybe swung a bit too hard to get him. What was it like fifth overall or something? Yeah, they got him fifth overall. And so I, I said this on prospect central too. And, and I actually called this pick. I, it's funny. Cause I was on the air with Sportsnet when this pick was coming up and they traded up and because they were trading up, I was like, Oh yeah, they're, they're coming. They're coming to get somebody. So, you know, maybe, maybe this is cool Caulfield. Maybe they're taking a big swing here on, on Caulfield or something like that. Um, but for weeks I was saying that it made sense for, Soderstrom to go there at 14. Um, and my my mindset was I was trying to put myself in John Chica's shoes and be like, okay, we jumped up last year and we got we got our center, we got Barrett Hayton, you know, we we pulled the trigger on that. Now we need to get ourselves a defenseman so we can really lock in those two positions. So we'll take the best of the available, which is going to be Soderstrom. When all they had to do last year was take Quinn Hughes, and then they would add their pick of Alex Newhook or Peyton Krebs and they could have had another really nice center to slide in and you know give me Alex Newhook and and Quinn Hughes over over Hayton and Soderstrom so this is this is the trouble that you get into when you start reaching and then you you know start playing catch up because of that but no Barrett Hayton had a great season going back to the Sioux there playing for the Greyhounds he captained the team he put up a ton of points and not a ton of games. Um, you know, I think he was good for the Canadians at the, at the world juniors too. I think this is a player that's, that's set up to, to push for an NHL job next season. Uh, he's a really defensively responsible player who does have nice upside. So he, he reminds me of Bo Horvat a little bit and, and Horvat's a hell of a player and someone that you want on your team uh, in real life. And, you know, he, he's turned into a bit of a fantasy asset too. And so that's kind of the projection that I have for Hayden. Okay, well, that's interesting. So not especially high. I feel like this is a good example of they could have used that strategy, I said. Maybe last year they could have drafted like Zadina or Hughes and then traded uh, that guy for who whatever team went for, Barrett Hayton, and they could have gotten a sweetener also. Other ways they could have played it. But, oh, well, we'll see how they do. I mean, they almost made the playoffs last year. So maybe they know what they're doing. I guess we'll find out. (laughs) They they needed some pretty exceptional goaltending from Darcy Kemper, which I'm assuming we all expect is going to happen again, right? Of course, hundred percent. Yeah, no, Darcy Kemper doesn't do well when there's any other goalie in the in the building. So he he's only good when there's no one pushing for a job. And so I expect his uh, his fantastic run there will crumble when Ranta comes back. Yeah, so you're saying Cal Picard didn't count. It wasn't nope. he there at the end? No, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no, I said a real goalie. Yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, let's do a few more, then I'll just throw to you to uh, say any other players. But that was number 11. Let's do 12, 13, 14, 15, because these are all interesting ones, especially, okay, number 12 is Matthew Boldy, who went to the Minnesota Wilds. Maybe you could tell us about him. And I'm also very interested to hear your take on Florida Panthers getting a goalie at 13th overall. It's been a while since we've seen a goalie go so high. So uh, eh, we don't need to rush. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, I guess, Boldy first, of course. Yeah, Matt Boldy, really nice player. Um, cerebral, power forward, great hands, great release. Uh, not the quickest. He's not slow, but I think that if he had better two-step quickness or top end speed, that he would have been like kind of a locked-in top seven guy. Uh, so I really like that pick for Minnesota. Uh, another kind of the first of the next, I think there was four or five kids out of the, the U18 team that went in a row there. Um, so yeah, Matt Boldy, he, he's a really nice player. And again, Minnesota needs help everywhere. I know that they were linked to Spencer Knight too, that they need a, a quote-unquote goaltender of the future, but they they went with the, the top kind of left wing available yeah i like him a lot i think he's a player that he's going to boston college next year he could be a one and done probably safely project as two years at bc and then he'll step in and really make a push for the wild um and then florida another team that was linked to spencer knight i know that they want to go out and and go sign bobrovsky and so i thought that that may have impacted their decision to take him there Uh, but they went ahead and they did it and they grabbed him early and so you know it's 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 a little early for my liking 
I, I think you just take the inherent risk with taking a goaltender at 13 is, is just so much higher than, than if you grab yourself a winger, a center, or a demon. It's that, you know, most drafts end up the best goaltender, some kid we haven't heard of that was taken in the sixth round. Um, and so I, I like everything about Spencer Knight. He's, he's big, he's athletic. Um, you know, he's got good elasticity and his, his movements. He doesn't get shaken after a bad goal, but it's really difficult to, to scout goaltenders anytime, but especially when they play on just like historically dominant clubs. And so the, the only times to really check in on him was, you know, how's he doing when his team's up 11 to two against USHL competition, or how's he doing when he's playing the div one guys in the NCAA and, and kind of playing for the Americans internationally in the medal rounds. And so there, there were opportunities to glean what his real upside is going to be. Another kid that's going to Boston college next season. I had an NHL scout who loved this kid. Tell me that, you know, so it's, it's Matt Boldy, Alex Newhook, uh, Dylan Holloway, who, oh no, wait, he's going to Wisconsin, but, uh, and Spencer Knight are all going to Boston college next year. Huh. And, and he feels that that Knight's going to step in and be by far their best freshman. And so that's a goalie who, who goalies don't usually step in and be starters, let alone the best kind of freshman on the team. And, and he's predicting that it's kind of going to be a bit of a runaway. So Knight's a really good prospect. And, you know, we saw Carter Hart. He just went three years from, from the draft table to being a star in the NHL. And, and that's obviously best case scenario for any goaltender, but, I think that in the right situation that he could be two years at Boston college and a year in the AHL and then in the NHL. So probably three to four years. Right. Well, I feel like if Florida goes and signs Bobrovsky to like a seven, eight year contract, mm-hmm. then uh, all of a sudden maybe Spencer Knight becomes like a top pick in an AHL fantasy league. Cause he might have to hang out there for a while, but it's but obviously Bobrovsky is getting up there in age. So it'll be interesting to see if Florida really, has to give i guess they'll just have to give Bobrovsky the term to get him to sign there but i don't know if they're going to be happy with that when they have spencer knight that'll impact knight's knight's uh, availability or or, you know viability i should say is that yeah if they go out and they give seven years to Bobrovsky, it's like you gotta imagine he's gonna probably be starting for five of those anyways and you know maybe they maybe they front load it so they can move the deal at the end or something like that but yeah that'll definitely that'll weigh heavily so if they don't i think that knight could get fast-tracked if things go well yeah, you'd think so. Well, we just saw it happen with Carter Hart, so why not at least give it a try? And mm-hmm. now Carter Hart's going to be the starter. Did you hear Brian Elliott re-signed for a season? So I guess oh, good. Yeah, so Philly's got their goaltending locked up. I kind of like it. I don't know if people will make fun, but like, I think Brian Elliott is a backup at this point in his career. That's not too bad. No. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. And uh, Matt Boldy, by the way, I'm looking at Minnesota, like their center depth. Like it's kind of, who's Matt Boldy going to be centered by? Let's say if he ends up on a top line one day, who's like Minnesota's top center in the system? Because you see Eric Stahl, who's not going to last forever. And they've got obviously Victor Rask, who they traded for. Uh, but is it like Joel Erickson Eck? Is he like the highest pedigree center on the team? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's probably going to be Erickson Eck that that's, you know, off the top of my head, I'm not looking at their depth chart right now. But yeah, like Luke Coonan's on the on the wing, you know, Ryan Donato's on the wing, Kaprizov's on the wing. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's Erickson Eck. So they could definitely use a, either a UFA center that's, uh, you know, not too, too old. So maybe they, I'm sure they would have been interested in like a guy like Kevin Hayes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go and, and make a pitch to Joe Pavelski and if they think that they can compete for some odd reason. But, you know, they're another team to watch for sure to try to get themselves a young center. Yeah, I mean, Duchesne would be nice, but he's probably not going to want to go there. He's going to Nashville. Yeah, okay. So we got Boldy, Spencer Knight. Uh, okay, let's do the next two. And then afterwards, we'll go more free for all. I really want to talk about Cole Caulfield going to Montreal because I heard a lot about how he slid. But of course... Uh, we f- should start with Philly grabbing a defenseman, Cameron York. And Philly is a team that their defense, like on paper, looks to me 
like it's an interesting situation, right? Because they just got a couple of defensemen via trade in Justin Braun and Matt Niskanen, who they traded Gudas for, of course. And plus they've got Sanheim, who actually really wanted to get your take on Sanheim. Then they have Provorov and Gossesbeher. Like Provorov and Gossesbeher kind of were disappointments, at least fantasy-wise, last season. Gossesbeher also, like real life, you know, hardly getting any minutes by the end of the season. And now they get a new defenseman in York. So where do you see like what is this Philly defense depth chart here? Like, does York have any chance to crack like a top four D role with all these guys ahead of him? I mean, not for a while, and they're they're not expecting him to. So, right. so he, he, yeah, he he's going to be a wait for sure. Um, I like Cam York though; he's the most prolific uh, scoring defenseman at the the U eighteen history of that that organization there, the NDTP. Um, he's a really nice player. He skates the puck well. He has uh, you know good vision. He's creative, good edges. Not a big shot, but he gets it through. Um, probably, in all likelihood, is a secondary offensive player. You know, the left side is it's it's pretty deep um there in philly so you know some pieces will have to move before he's actually going to get some opportunities but I, I think he's two years in the ncaa maybe a little bit american league time so he's a kid that you're waiting probably three years on and then a little bit more before he's actually pushing for fantasy relevancy so he, he's going to be a bit of a wait i like uh travis sanheim as well i think he's a very interesting player um you know he can play the right side which is big for them because they don't have really any high-end right shot guys kind of they got philip myers coming that that's a bit of a project but no he's a he's an interesting player that played at what like a 30 35 point pace last season and i think he has more to give you as dominant in the ahl the year before that too for the stretch that he was down there he's a he's a big lanky player that took a little bit of time um, he went a little bit earlier than people thought back in whatever it was, 2014, 2015. Um, he was a bit of a surprise, but you know, he, he's a really nice player. And I think this is a kid that's going to push for, you know, 40 plus points this year. Nice. Yeah. Sanheim. I mean, I know Cam, you're a scout. You have your methods of like watching players tape and like learning about how they play and stuff. I have my methods, which, which is I search for the player's name on Twitter and see what the fans are saying about him. And it seems to be like, I saw last year, a lot of people saying they thought Sanheim's going to take over and be a top power play D man on Philly at some point. So uh, do, do you think there's anything to that? Do you think that he can bump a ghost bear or a Provorov and be the top guy, like leading a power play that has Claude Giroux and JVR and Voracek and all those guys? I don't think it's it's completely crazy to think that. I think that there's a I think there's a reasonable chance that Gosses Bear isn't long for Philly. We did hear the rumors that you know they were listening. Um, I don't know if the deal gets done, mostly because he's coming off a down season, and so they're not going to look to sell low. But if if the right deal comes across their desk, I think that they're definitely going to take a look at it and maybe move him out. Um, the the thing is, is that I like that he can play the right side. And so that's ghost spot on the power play too. And so maybe he slides over, whereas Provorov is pretty well locked onto the left side. And that's where Drew plays on that. So he, he, he doesn't really have an opening to move up to that top unit. So if it's not ghost, then I think it definitely could be Sanheim. But um, at this point, you know, he's got to get some power play time for him to, to really push past that 40 point barrier. So we saw he basically did most of his damage last year at even strength. And so to put up 30 odd points at even strength is, is pretty darn impressive. So I think that, I think that they'll notice they got the new coaching staff in there. They got AV. So uh, he's a, he's a guy who likes defensemen that can move the puck quickly, can skate the puck up the ice. And so he's got several of those coming up up in Philly. Yeah, and I guess maybe this is my last chance to ask you. I'm going to squeeze in. Can I ask you about Provorov? He's 22. I don't know if he counts as a prospect anymore, but like 26 points last year. Is he does he still have this like upside to be a 40 plus point defenseman or is he just going to be a big minute logger that's not necessarily very offensive? I want to I want to believe that he has more juice in him because he was so good playing for Brandon in the WHL. He was just a dominant player there. You know, he stepped right into the NHL, put up 30 points, moved up, 
40 plus the year after that. And then he took the step back. And so I think everyone in Philly took a bit of a step back. I think a lot of things worked for them in, in 2017, 18 that didn't work last season. And so I'm not ready to write him off, but again, if he wants to be a 40 plus point defenseman, I'm sure he wants to be, but if it, if it's realistically going to happen, he's going to need more power play time. And so I think that he is maybe getting typecasted a bit as that heavy workload guy that'll get the second unit and then he'll play top. PK minutes and he'll kind of get all the hard matchups at even strength. And so for that, he'll be a really important player for them in real life, but that is definitely going to affect affect his fantasy. Yeah, those still, you, you got to think 26 points, he could do better than that. So you might be able to get a bit of a steal on Provorov and drafts next year, especially if you're talking about like a bangers league where you're getting credit for his hits and blocks. And Sanheim also, I feel like those are both guys that I'd like to maybe grab late and just kind of hope for the best. In worst case, it was a late pick anyways. Uh, okay, Cole Caulfield. He's short, and apparently NHL teams don't like drafting short players. And so even though he was ranked super high by a lot of people, he falls all the way down to 15th overall, and he's snagged by the Montreal Canadiens. Are you liking this for the Habs? Do you like Cole Caulfield? And, you know, last year they got caught Kniemi, who made it right to the NHL. So do you see another th- similar thing happening with Cole Caulfield? Like, I'm curious to hear what you think about him in the Habs. No, definitely not stepping into the NHL next season. So uh, he's going to Wisconsin, just like uh, Alex Turcotte. So they're buddies, and so I expect that there's a good chance that they'll play together. Uh, Cole Caulfield is just a dynamic, you know, elite goal scorer. So he he's basically the five foot seven version of Ovechkin minus a little bit because you know he's not Ovechkin, but uh, he'll go and probably put up thirty goals in college uh, next season. We haven't seen a freshman do that since Kyle Connor. It doesn't happen too often. Um, I expect he'll probably play two years at Wisconsin and then start pushing for an NHL job. The thing about him is that. You know, he's five foot seven. That doesn't bother me so much. Uh, he's not overly speedy and he's not overly elusive. So he's smart. He's very intelligent. So he gets himself into the spots that he needs to be. And then he's played with Jack Hughes almost exclusively the last season. And then before that, he was playing with uh, Boldy and Turcotte or Boldy and Zegras. And so he's played with these high end players at the junior level that can get him the puck and he can he can finish it with no no hesitation. And so I think he'll need that in the NHL. So first he'll need to earn the deployment. And so that's rarely gift wrapped, but you know, for a kid like him is that you, you, you used a 15th overall selection on him. You're not going to put him in your bottom six because he's useless down there. So hopefully they put him in a situation, whether that's with, you know, Nick Suzuki or it's Kakaniemi in the top six in a couple of seasons, two, three years. Um, and then if he can mesh well, I think Kakaniemi could be a really interesting player with him because he sees the place develop so well. And that if Caulfield can get to those soft spots on the ice that they could, they could form a pretty deadly combination. So Caulfield is a player that, you know, maybe he puts up 40 goals one day. Um, he also might be a guy that doesn't really play in the NHL. So he might be a prolific AHL guy, the quadruple A player that, that can't really stick. Um, so the, the, the variance on him is, is very, very wide. And so I, I think at 15, that that's a great value pick to, to take a swing on a kid that has big, big upside. Um, you know, you, you might hit a home run and and you might swing and you might miss. So it's, he's one that's definitely up there on fantasy boards because, you know, we're here to, we're here to take big swings. And so if you want to wait a couple of years on a player that could be, you know, an impactful goal scorer, then, then he's your guy at this spot for sure. Um, and if you want to play it safe, Sally, you know, go ahead and grab Alex Mm -hmm. Newhook or Peyton Krebs or something like that, who went a couple spots after. Yeah. I feel like. And when you're playing fantasy hockey, like once you're done with your like top obvious picks where you want to get reliable guys, like it's fun to take a swing and worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, you know, you probably could find someone else in free agency or someone to work out for you. So at this point on the Habs, how would you rank the three prospects, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield and Nick Suzuki for fantasy value? I'll go Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, Suzuki. Oh, not so into Suzuki or are the other two just so awesome? No, I just, again, like I'm saying, I'll take the big upside. I think Suzuki's obviously much closer to NHL ready and a safer selection. Um, 
I wonder about his speed. He's been a dominant junior player in the O there, uh, and he's done so consistently. But his speed is is kind of average, and I see him as probably falling into secondary offensive minutes, which is going to impact him. Caulfield, like I said, if if he's if he's going to make it, he's going to be playing top line deployment with the best center and getting the the power play time, being the trigger man. And so you know, give me that over being a guy who who kind of quarterbacks a second unit and and plays the secondary wingers. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Julian saying in the chat room, also polling in there. Is he, is he in the same conversation, Ryan polling? No, I'll slide him to the fourth probably. Uh, you know, maybe he ends up being, being better than Suzuki just because he's such a beast physically. So he's a guy that can play all situations for real. He's he's a heavy load. He's a good player. I like Ryan Poling. Um, but I don't know if he has the high-end upside. He's I was I was impressed with his development the last season. Um, but again, I see him kind of more as a taking heavy matchups type of guy rather than kind of getting all the fun ozone starts and, and really feasting. Yeah, I, I mean, either way, things are looking pretty good for the Habs all of a sudden because we're talking about all these young players who aren't even in the NHL yet, aside from Kakaniemi, and they al- almost made the playoffs last year. So uh, they could have a very bright future ahead. I, I think it's a fun time to be a Habs fan. I'd rather be a Habs fan right now than a Sens fan. I think but they also have good young players. No, yeah, for sure. They, they've been doing really well in the drafts. I, I like what they do. And they got a kid, uh, Josh Brook, who's coming out of the WHL, who's turning pro this year. He's a very offensive player. I was got a Romanoff had a really nice uh, international season this year. So they, they've got some they've got some pieces coming up. Caden Primo is a, a good, really nice goaltender prospect, too. So, yeah, I like what they're doing in Montreal. Nice. Okay. And I guess now we've gone through the top 15 picks. You've mentioned the names Alex Newhook and Peyton Krebs a couple of times. So maybe you could throw out your thoughts on these guys and then anyone else in the draft that you want to put your stamp on the Cam Robinson, you know, the classic Jake Gensel stamp where you're saying like this guy's going to be something. Trust me. Oh, get the stamp out. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Newhook's a kid that I really like. He was six on my board to end the to end the season here and he ended up going 16 to Colorado. So just Damn. Just a home run first day for Colorado, in my estimation, to get Byram and, and Newhook, which are arguably two top eight players for for my money. Um, so Newhook plays with a ton of speed. He's got that wow one on one offensive skills too. He, he's he's a kid that's going to go to um, Boston University next season um and he's gonna look to put up a, a bunch of points he's probably a, a two years away and then he'll he'll come up and, and kind of push i think that this is a nice hedge on tyson yost maybe not being what they thought he was and so mm-hmm. they went back to the bchl which is where they took yost he played um for penticton i believe and um put up the big monster points too just like new hook did this year but yeah, I like I like Alex Newhook a lot. I think he's a, a player that people should have on their radar. Uh, Peyton Krebs went to Vegas at 17. He should not have been there at 17. Basically, the only reason that happened is because he popped his Achilles two weeks before the draft. Um, and I, I fully believe that that slid him down draft board. So he was a kid that should have gone in the top 10 or 12 anyways. He, he should have been firmly amongst those top 12 kids. Um, slid down to Vegas. Uh, I was tweeting out before they made that pick that somebody's got to trade up and take this kid because it's just, it's ridiculous. He's still sitting there. Another really highly offensive kid that has great speed, great awareness. Um, he, he's got top six center written all over him for sure. And uh, then, except, except that he's going to Vegas where the top six center spots are spoken for. I guess Paul Stasny's not going to be around forever. Yeah, but Cody Glass is going to probably take something. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, yeah, you're, you're waiting on him. Obviously, now he's going to lose six months of development, but he'll go back and he'll play in the WHL probably for two years. And so he's a bit more of a weight. Um, I, I think he's a really safe pick, though. He's a really he's an intelligent player. He was the first overall pick in his Bantam draft a couple of years ago. He's a he's a high high character and high, highly skilled individual. So I, I like him a lot. Um, some good value picks down the board here. I really like Philip Tomasino to Nashville. He's a speedy uh, centerman. who has got a great shot, great puck skill. So I think they did really nice to get him there. He probably should have gone in the teens somewhere. Nice. Uh, and Nashville know. needs a Nashville needs a center. Kyle Turris doesn't seem to be working out. Maybe he could have a bounce back, but you could see a spot opening up pretty quickly for Philip Tomasino. Yeah, well, they're going to go dump 
uh, seven times, what do you think, 10 million to Matt Duchesne here in a couple of days? So so that's going to be, it'll be Duchesne oh, yeah. and Ryan Johansson uh, down down the middle for, for a little bit. But uh, long term, I, I do like... I do like Tomasino, and he maybe he's a player that moves over the wing too with his right. shot and his speed. So he's another one. And then sliding into day two, um, there's actually, a- do you mind if I throw another Nashville question to you since we're since sure. we're on them? Yeah, uh, Tolvanen. We had a question in the chat here. What do you think about him? Like he's been a guy we've been excited for for now two seasons in a row. Are you still excited about Eli Tolvanen? As you taught me how to pronounce his name one time, like are yeah. we still into him, or are you starting to lose faith now that he's had trouble cracking the lineup? Eli Tolvanen. Hey, I got I got out. Uh, my finish pronunciation for that kid uh i i mean i don't like him as much as i did before that's for sure his his ability to translate has been a little bumpier than i expected i i thought that there would be some bumps like people were seeing you know he put up the 20 goals or whatever in the khl for yoker it there and uh it just you know he's scoring at will for a couple months and and then you know he he he's just he was great at the Olympics too. That was kind of the hype factor as well. And so he came over in Nashville and he had a bumpy season. You know, he didn't stick in the NHL. I think he was pretty good in the American league and he did so as a 19 year old. So teenagers in the American league rarely put up big points. So I'm looking here, 15 goals, 35 points in, in 58 games. That's not bad. Um, he wasn't very good at the world juniors, which was really disappointing as he was expected to be one of the top players there. And I was, I was at those games and I was watching him closely because I, I was expecting him to do more. And he, he frustrates a little bit because he's a bit of a one man show. So he, he'll, he'll try to just do everything himself and that doesn't work, especially against high end competition. And so maybe that worked for a few stretches. He was getting good puck luck when he was with Jokerit and, and it was, the puck was going in for him. He did, he did the same thing with the Musketeers in the USHL in his draft eligible season, but it just worked at that level for him. Um, that was probably why he wasn't a top 10 pick though. And he slid all the way to whatever it was 30th overall. Um, so he's a guy that I, I'm not in love with right now. I don't know where he slides into the lineup. So he can move over to either wing position. Um, there should be opportunities there for him. But realistically, you know, like maybe he's on the third line next year, you know, maybe. Or or he's waiting for an injury and he's down in the American League still. So I don't see a ton of opportunities for him. That top line looks pretty locked. And then you're looking at, you know, I'm expecting Duchesne to be there. And then you got Michael Granlund and then, you know, maybe Craig Smith or something like that. Maybe he can push for that gig on the on the second right wing spot. But I think there's a lot of ifs when we're talking about Tolvanen. Right, yeah. That would be a pretty sweet second line spot if he's playing with Duchesne and Granlund. But yeah, I guess he has some competition. Craig Smith always seems to be there. <laughs> they, they like mm-hmm. him there. Okay, so I interrupted. By the way, it, Best in the biz, Cam Robinson. You you had no idea I was going to ask you about Tolvin, and you just gave us like three minutes of gold about him. But okay, I'll stop interrupting. So who else you got in this draft after, uh, what was it, Philip Tomasino as some like value guys late? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so day two, there's always some interesting pieces on the board there. Uh, LA went ahead and grabbed Arthur Kaliev. So he's a kid who boom, 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 or bust sort of thing. So he's one of only four players in the last 20-odd years to put up 50 goals uh, in the OHL as a draft-eligible kid. And so that's Steven Stamkos, John Tavares, Jeff Skinner, and Alex Dabrinkit, and now Arthur Kaliev. So pretty good company he's keeping there. Uh, the thing with the uh, Kaliev isn't the skating. Uh, it isn't the, uh, you know, the processing speed. He's got all the goods offensively. He just infuriates because he refuses to work. And so mm-hmm. he just takes big looping circles out there. He doesn't go fight in the corner. Sometimes he can piss him off and then he gets out there and he moves and shakes a little bit. And that's what you want to see. So, you know, maybe LA like kidnaps his grandma or something and, Holds her hostage and, and really inspires him that way, or, or I don't know, like buys him a house somewhere nice and says, you know, every month that you <laughs> that you work hard, you get to keep this free house. I don't know. You got to inspire him somehow. 
Um, so he's a home run pick and uh, a home run swing, I should say. And and that there's a, a very realistic chance that he's Pavel Brendel and, and isn't an NHLer. And, you know, maybe he's a 35 goal scorer in the NHL. So that, that one's the, you know, a kid that once you're getting later into your, your fancy drafts, you know, if you want to take a, a big old swing on someone that he's a really interesting player. Uh, the kid that went right after him is Bobby Brink to Philly elite brain on this kid he puts up monster points so he led the ushl in, in points per game for non-program players um he's got an awkward skating stride and he hasn't shown a willingness to improve it in any regard and and you know he's been really really successful everywhere he's gone and so i'm guessing that's his logic behind it is that like look at i i just all i do is produce um, and he's right. He's he's so smart out there, but he's five foot eight and he doesn't skate well. So again, it's there's a lot of risk with him. But uh, going to Philly, I think he's going to get an opportunity to. Th- there'll be some marinating for him, and I think he'll he'll need to clean up that stride, or else he won't be a player. But if he can, that there's a really high upside with a kid like him. Nice. Oh, can I ask you? So whenever you mention a team, it makes me think of all the young prospects we've talked about in the past that I want to ask you about. Can we touch base on Nolan Patrick at this point? Kind of a disappointing sophomore season for him last year. A lot of people thought that maybe he would be prime for. A breakup maybe centering the second line uh what do you think about Noel patrick former number two overall pick and he was a guy like hughes that for a while everyone was talking about as potentially being a number one and now i don't know there's not that much hype especially now they have kevin hayes so like does nolan patrick go to the wing like what happens with this guy i think he goes to the third line center and that's kind of what uh lane Vigneault, he said too um yeah I, I don't think philly was sold on him and that's why they went ahead and overpaid kevin hayes and they also see that they're a team that i don't think they're good enough but their pieces are at an age where it's like either we go or we or we go home and so they went out and they did the thing and they got kevin hayes and he'll slide in as the number two center and you know that means nolan patrick his role is going to be greatly reduced maybe he's a trade chip um or maybe they just lock him in as kind of that jack of all trades third line center that can take heavy minutes and maybe chip in a little bit on on offense too but yeah fantasy wise i've never been all that high on nolan patrick i I let other people kind of take on him and and hope that things worked out but i've always kind of been limited on his offense yeah, now nah, at this point, I'd rather have Konechny than Nolan Patrick if I'm drafting a fantasy oh, yeah. team for Philly out of Philly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the other kid coming up is Morgan Frost, who's a really interesting right. young player. Yeah, he's got a lot of speed, a lot of skills. So he, he's another guy that he'll be trying to knock down the door for a top six job, but that'll be a ways away. But, you know, maybe Morgan Frost and Nolan Patrick end up playing together on the third line, and that could be an interesting kind of combo. Cool. Yeah, Philly's an interesting team. And if they, if Carter Hart could be as good as we hope he can be, you know, a good goalie could take you a long way. We saw with, again, Darcy Kemper last year in Arizona almost took them into the playoffs and they couldn't score a goal to save their lives. Uh, another couple picks I like on day two there. Uh, I like Nils Hoglander to Vancouver. He was a, a kid that I had on my first round. He's, uh, you know, plays a little bit like Victor Arvison. He's he's not afraid at all. He's only five foot nine, but he's, you know, 180, 185 pounds. So he's thick. He's got speed. He's got some of the quickest hands in the draft. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a complimentary guy that uh, could be a little bit fast track to the NHL. So he's got two seasons left on his deal in the SHL, but I, I could see him finishing up his season next year and coming over to the American League or maybe starting the season in the American League in 2021. Um, so I like him. Toronto's first pick of the draft was at 53, and they grabbed Nick Robertson, another kid that I think has high, high offensive upside. So he's very, very young for this crop. He was just a couple of days away from being eligible for 2020 and still put up nearly a point a game in Peterborough. I expect he's going to be one of these guys that goes back to the OHL next season and puts up like 90 points. And everyone's like, what? What was he doing there at 53? And it's like, yeah, you should have listen to me he shouldn't have been there at 53 so i think that was a home run first pick for toronto really interesting player i think kyle dubas does does well um you know sliding down uh, a couple of kids I, I really like the third round but we're getting we're getting 
pretty deep into it now. Carolina grabbed Patrick Pistola, um, highly skilled Finnish winger. Uh, he's a perfect Carolina pick. So I think they, they, they crushed it with that one. Pittsburgh got Nathan Liguri, uh, maybe one of the best shots in this draft. So the skating's I don't want to say sluggish, but it's not elite, uh, but he's a trigger man in, in every sense of the word. So that's another one to keep your eye on. If you're looking for goal scoring and you know, uh, with Pittsburgh, it's like, there's always random people getting into the top six to play with Crosby or Malkin. So totally. maybe read the next one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Vegas grabbed Pavel Dorofeyev, super slick, uh, Russian kid that, you know, slid because he's Russian probably. Um, so he's a highly skilled player that, you know, he's got a little bust to him, but he, he's got that boom too. So, you know, there's, there's a few players that, that went later on too, that I think, uh, have some upside. Cool. And obviously, if people want to hear your thoughts on all these guys, there's so many ways you mentioned before you have your Prospect Central podcast. Uh, I guess, yeah, let's let's let uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Like, I know our listeners really appreciate the time that you give us over on Keeping Carlson, especially now that you have your own podcast. You also have like we had some questions from the patrons that unfortunately we're not going to be able to get to. But you know, everyone who asked a question to Cam, first of all, Cam is actually in our patron group. So I'm sure he'll be really nice and and answer your question if you ask him or you could uh, support Cam because you have your own Patreon with a Facebook group mainly for talking about prospects, which we're linking. I realize I have a hyperlink that I've had, I guess, since I was talking to you like last year or something. So if you go to keepingcarlson.com slash cam, you'll go to Cam's Patreon. So maybe do you want to take a second to just talk about uh, what you're doing on your Patreon, what you're doing on your podcast and uh, yeah, plug whatever you can. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I do. I have the Patreon. I don't hype it up too much. We've, we've got kind of a tight knit group over there. There's maybe 25 of us or so and it's uh it's a, it's great. They, everyone really is uh, supportive. And so I use it as kind of my, my jumping off pad for talking about scouting and prospects and stuff. And, and most of the guys are more interested in fantasy. And so that's where the, the, the conversation kind of goes. It blends between the, the fantasy prospect side of thing and then just kind of general scouting and, and me talking about what's going on and, and all the things I'm doing. So I post all my articles there and I, I give free access to, to my entire rankings with expanded profiles and you get opportunities to get like personalized draft lists and things like that so that's uh crazy joe devola scouting on patreon and like uh you know i was saying there you can click a link on keeping carlson check that out um yep you can listen to us on prospect central i'm going to record that later tonight and that'll come out tomorrow um on sportsnet 650 we do that every thursday night um, but Cam, yeah. you're gonna have to explain because it's not as easy to find as you make it sound like you have oh, to no. canucks central right is the podcast right now that you have to subscribe to <laughs> Oh yeah, if you're on iTunes, unfortunately, yeah, we some for some odd reason we don't have our own RSS feeds. So yeah, it's under Canucks Central. Um, that's where you can download it via iTunes. We have our own page on Sportsnet 650 though. So if you if you Google Prospect Central Sportsnet, that, that will pop up, and all our episodes are there for streaming. But yeah, if you want to download them, you got to look for us under Canucks Central. Hopefully that'll get sorted out sooner rather than later. It's worth it. Every once in a while, there's a Canucks episode that comes on that I'm not particularly interested in listening to, so I just archive those and I listen to the Prospect Central episodes that come. There you up. go. You nice. guys are doing a great job yeah i appreciate that yeah so that's a lot of fun for sure that's with ryan beach and and satir shaw and there's some good knowledgeable dudes and we have a lot of fun um yeah and then all the stuff Dauber prospects Dauber hockey we're gonna keep moving and shaking and keep uh keep building up the, the site i actually just sent a, a message to all the troops that we hit record numbers so uh average the most hits uh, ever for a month and and we set a new record high for for most views this month too which is pretty cool that's amazing. Congratulations. Well, you guys are doing a great job. Obviously, like we're presented by Dabber Hockey. So we're, oh, which I didn't mention actually at the start of the show. So there we go. There's our Dabber Hockey uh, plug right there. Obviously, a fantastic site to go for any fantasy advice. But okay, I got to let you go. But yeah, thanks again. And looking forward to getting you back on the show as soon as we can. Sounds good. Thanks again, Elon. Have a good staff party. Thanks, man. Okay, that was Cam Robinson. What a hero. This guy knows everything about every player. 
really happy when Cam gives us some time. Uh, okay, I guess I'll plug a bunch of stuff, right? So again, you could go and check out Cam's Patreon and all the stuff he's doing with the Prospect Central podcast and uh, Dauber Prospects. So yeah, check that all out. But if you like Keeping Carlson, our podcast, uh, as you know, because we've been mentioning over the last few episodes, or maybe you don't because you listen to this just for Cam, we've got our own patreon where we are having fun in our facebook group talking about fantasy finally things are happening uh we our last episode that we recorded we broke down a bunch of the trades brian and i argued about suban's value compared to like truba and roman yosi and we talked about jt miller going to vancouver that was a really fun episode so definitely check that out if you haven't heard that i think you're gonna like it uh, i'm gonna give it a shot i think you're gonna like it if you listen to this only for cam check out that episode uh brian and I are also doing brian is by the way my co-host who's normally here uh we're doing something very ambitious we did it last summer as well we last summer recorded the world's first ever NHL audio almanacs. You know, those guides that you buy in the store that talks about, you know, lists all the players on each team and gives a projection and a little write-up. Basically, we did that in audio form. It was an audio book with 31 chapters, one chapter per team. And we just like talked about every fantasy relevant player like we do on every episode of Keeping Carlson. Brian looks into the underlying advanced stats to try to come up with a projection for next year, talk about what happened in the past year, whether it's sustainable or not. And yeah, so we're going to be recording that again this summer. And we'd love for you to get on board with the pre-sale to give us some confidence that this thing is actually going to be worthwhile for us to do so last year we did a kickstarter and then we only decided to do the almanac if we had enough number of people sign up to make it worth our while but now we just decided we'll just do it and we'll just hope for the best and hopefully that wasn't a huge mistake so check out keepingcarlson.com slash almanac if you want to get in on the pre-sale and brian and i've been talking we've come up with some ideas to maybe give some incentives for people who do the pre-sale offers you could do the pre-sale offer and then get the incentives after that we're thinking of maybe doing a special draft just for the pre-sale people and then we could reference it uh, in the almanac anyways okay i've talked too much and now i'm ruining an amazing episode with cam robinson so again keepingcarlson.com slash almanac you could join our patreon keepingcarlson.com slash patron uh, uh you can follow us on twitter at keeping carlson and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks next time we talk to you we're going to be talking about all the free agent signings from july 1st so that's going to be a lot of fun we're actually going to talk to the patrons first about that because we're going to do a patron cast right at the start of july and then we'll do a regular episode so uh, follow us all and thanks again everyone so I'm going to cue that outro music I don't really have any credits because Cam did all the research today so thanks again and we'll talk to you soon bye oh and as Brian would say keep on keeping Carl's song <laughs>